The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking to Gemma Bonham-Carter about how to get massive whopper results from a small list so that you can successfully launch an offer no matter what size your list happens to be. That sounds like music to my ears. But just before we get into that conversation, we don't want you to get to the end of this episode and wonder how this all applies to you and how you can do it in your business. That's why we'd love you to continue this conversation we're starting right here in our free Facebook group, the Email Marketing Show Community. It's a community of people just like us and you running businesses every single day with email marketing. There's thousands of people in there now and some amazing conversations. So all you have to do is head over to Facebook and search for the Email Marketing Show Community and it'll pop right up. Join there. Or if you've got a web browser handy like Safari or Firefox, just head over to robandkennedy.group and it will forward you over there as if by magic. He is very annoyed that they've put the price up of McDonald's home delivery. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And he has an obsession with air fryers. It's psychological mind reader Kennedy. Okay, muck delivery. What's What's happened? I'm going to get loads of angry people writing in now because people what angry people do, isn't it? They get pen and paper and they write things in. Happy people don't write things, do they? Like, just angry yes, ones. Yes, they're going to they're gonna write things right in because obviously they're putting it up so that the, the delivery drivers get paid better and they make more money. I know Ronald's yeah. not taking all the money up at the top. I know that's not happening, but still, right. that's the money right. out of my pocket. Four quid to have it delivered here. I don't know how much it is there. Four pounds. Oh, it's not that much. Flipping ridiculous. It's cold because it's four quid because it's like seven mile away or something. Of course, the answer is to just go and buy a new air fryer like you've just done because you're obsessed with them. Uh, exactly, exactly. I had the old T-File whizzy whizzy spins around you and mushes up your chips one <laughs> and I've gone for <laughs> doesn't mush up your chips anymore. It only actually got delivered today so it might be shit. I don't I haven't well, got I'm going to wait till you've got it, it, it might be and shit. checked it out because our chips are starting to come out soggy now out of our Tefal one. Uh, and so I'm going to wait you for your review as I normally do. When Kennedy buys a gadget, I see if it's any good. If it's good, I buy it. If it's shit, I don't. <laughs> Hello. We are a stage hypnotist and a psychological mind reader turned email marketing geeks who love giving course creators, coaches, and membership site owners everything that you need to use psychology-driven email marketing and be the email marketing hero of your business. That means you get to make more sales more predictably in less time with a brand new episode every email marketing Wednesday. See, I told you this email marketing Wednesday thing was going to catch on. Kennedy didn't like the idea, and uh, I was championing it from day one, and I knew... Oh, I see. I see what happens here. You're that guy who changes which team he supports depending on who's at the top of the I'm trying to make sporting references and I've run out of yeah, the words now the top of the pile yes. yeah don't know what it is yeah yeah anyway if you haven't already if you're brand new to the show hello welcome thank you so much we're here every single week so make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so that a new episode like this downloads to your do your pod- podcasty thing, what your phone or whatever, and you don't miss out on an episode. That'll be a treat. Love it. As you're listening to this, actually, just uh, take a little selfie or take a screenshot of this episode, post it on social media, tag us at Rob and Kennedy. We do love to know which episodes you're finding value in and which episodes you're listening to. So do that and we'll share it and spread the love on our Instagram and that. Now, as Kennedy hinted at before, we're joined by Gemma today and I've got three statements to give you about Gemma. One of them is true. Two of them are horrible, filthy lies. And your job is to guess which of the things is true. So Gemma, poker face poker face don't give anything away i'm ready i'm ready right so did Gemma 
go to bed and sleep with a tennis racket for three months? Does she o- what? Does she only eat the orange flavored sweets from a bag of sweets, or is her favorite animal a caribou? Oh, you stumbled over the word caribou there, as if that like that's not a word you've maybe said before. But uh, is it a caribou? Because I think I know what a caribou is. It's a sort of like lovable little. Oh, are they like little caribous? Aren't they like <laughs> friend, 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 friendly don't goats? Me. I don't like know. they're like. Um, I don't know. Oh, I think he doth protest too much. I think it's not that one now. Um, I did slept with a tennis racket for three months. Why would? Unless that's the name. Is tennis racket her nickname for her husband? Oh, I no, don't want to know if that's the case. <laughs> oh god, that sounded too much, didn't it? Um, I'm gonna because it's ridiculous. I'm gonna go with the tennis racket, Gemma. Which one's true? It is true. Damn the it. tennis racket. Why did you sleep with a tennis racket for three months? Okay, so in I lived in a really crap house when I went to university. There were five girls in this crap house, holes in the walls. We had a bat infestation one summer. And so I what? woke up in the middle of the night to a bat circling the ceiling of my room. And I didn't know this at the time, but if you have like a tennis racket, you can, you know, hit the bat. So I was scarred. I was scarred from the bat experience and slept with the tennis racket for about three months afterwards. That is flipping terrifying. I feel like <laughs> I that my favorite thing about that story is it sounds like somebody who's got really bad hearing has heard the word crap house, thought it was frat house and thought that sounds like the place for me and moved in and then turned out it just had shit in the ceiling and bats. It sounded to me more like, um, right, there's a bat in your room and she's got into the bed and there's a tennis racket. And she thought, bat, racket, that's the same thing. I'll be all right. I've got to sleep with a bat in this room. That'll be okay. And then realised it's a freaking squatting creature. That's, I just And for the third horrible. fact, I just Googled popular Canadian animals and found out yes, a caribou let, exists. Let me just reiterate, the caribou is not a small, squishy animal. It's like a, it's like a large, think of like a moose. Can you can you picture a moose? Are they as big as a moose? They're pretty big. Well, it's the opposite of the small, cuddly thing you described. Yeah, yeah. Like definitely, wow. there are like communities in northern Canada that like eat. They survive on caribou. Like that's their main source of protein. Wowzer. Okay. Okay. Well, I've, I've learned a thing. I'm going to be off Googling. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to the show right now is Googling <laughs> People caribou. People like parked up at the side of the road and Googling <laughs> it. Caro what? <laughs> anyway, let's drag this kicking and screaming all the way back over to email marketing, if you remember that. We're dead excited to talk about this because one of the things that we do, right, is we tell off our coaching students and stuff in the league. We tell people off if they ever say the words, I've got a small list. Instead, we just want them to say, mm-hmm. I've got a list. But at the end of the day, people do judge their the size of their list based on what they've heard other people have got and the million subscribers over there and stuff. So we want to talk about this. How do you make money and have a successful launch, even if you've got a smaller audience than some people? you might see so with that said how, like what's the first steps to even being able to still make money even if you've got a small list i think the biggest thing that i have seen time and time again with students and clients that i've worked with is they come in i think there's a lack of confidence often and maybe some imposter syndrome there and they think they need to launch their first digital product or online course which is what i help people do in a, in a low ticket or low price kind of way to test the waters. And, you know, it's just basic, you know, math. If you have a smaller audience, if you want to really make this a profitable stream of income for your business, you're going to need to charge a higher price point 
and maybe have 10 people come through that first round of that, of that offer with you or that course with you. And so if you're able to charge 500, a thousand, 2000, 5,000, depending on, you know, what, what is the, the industry that you are in? What is this transformation you're providing for people? What are the results that you're promising out of this program? If you're able to come in high, you are able to really make serious gains from a small list. You don't, you know, there's no, you, I've seen people with lists of under 200 uh, subscribers have 15 K launches, which is really incredible. And then you know what it does? It gives them the confidence to, mm. to go on and launch the other things and even show up differently in their business, like write emails with more conviction, do better at their content marketing and draw in a bigger audience. It's, I see it time and time again. It's fascinating. It also sort of buys them some time to, to make some smaller stuff and sell it too, where you need to sell higher volumes to make any money. They're going to need to bring in more subscribers. So again, if you do that sort of higher ticket thing first and make 10 or $15,000, that will buy you some time to like start and some cash to like start cash flowing the list growth to start creating something new, which is cool. Totally. I think so often we see, especially we were talking earlier about Facebook ads and stuff. We see all these ads for these low ticket kind of under $50 things. And you think you need to start there. And it's the opposite that that's the thing that you can layer on at the very end when you've got loads of money coming into your business and you can play because those low ticket offers often are break even type of things. They're not the big sort of cash injection style offers that we want for our business i think a lot of people sort of equate the price point they're going to start off with with their first launch with how long they've been in business and how new they are and go well because i'm new it has to be cheap and because i'm not confident in myself they shouldn't be confident in me and the truth is you, as I always say, you are not your customer. The transformation, the outcome, the, the results you can generate for somebody have got nothing to do with you. They've got everything to do with that person. So let's say somebody right now, well, first of all, what would you say is a good number of subscribers to, as a minimum, I'm going to put you on the spot, what's a minimum number of subscribers somebody, somebody should have before they actually do any kind of launch? I like to say 200. I think you've got mm -hmm. enough of a pool there when you've got 200 subscribers to really see some success with that launch. I will also preface it with sometimes when you start doing the kind of pre-launch activities, that will be the thing that grows your list to 200. Like I've had students oh, come yeah. in and they have a list of 75, but they just start doing some of the stuff, like whether it's some webinars or um, just putting a different style of content out there, emailing a little bit more, talking about what they're about to offer. And that list grows to 200 in that sort of pre-launch time. Right. That's really interesting. I'd like to dig into this a little bit more. So again, because this is this is a style of marketing we've never done to sort of start with nothing or almost nothing and then use the pre-launch period in order to grow that audience and then sell. We've never really done that. So I'm dead interested to talk about some of the kind of pre-launch activities. You mentioned webinars and stuff. Maybe let's talk about like the framing of that, the timing of it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that longer you can actually spend in the pre-launch period, it tends to equate to a bigger launch. Um, the more that you can, it's in that pre-launch period, I think the most important thing is to, you're positioning yourself as an expert. You're coming out with some really thought provoking, kind of polarizing content, um, things that are going to really kind of make someone say, oh, hang on a second. 
like Robin Kennedy do that. They're talking about it differently than I've heard other people talk about that before. Let me sort of start to pay attention. And they, whether it's a webinar, whether it's a mini series of trainings, um, you just showing up live on in your Facebook group or on your Instagram live or whatever that looks like, however you deliver content and show up the best way you show up, because whether that, it might be video, audio, written, whatever, but just starting to really get those opinion pieces. I like to call them like your big ideas, really start getting your big ideas out there. You'll notice like people start to just, you're, it's polarizing and they're gonna pull right in or they're gonna repel away. And that's okay if they repel away, but we wanna pull in the people who are like, ooh, this is different. This isn't just the same old, same old I hear everybody talking about and regurgitate. And as you do more of that in the pre-launch, you're getting people subscribing, because they want to attend those things, right? Like make those things sometimes like be behind the wall of like having to subscribe to email to, to attend them. And they are so they're dying for you to open the doors when you do finally open the doors to your program. So I did that for one of my launches uh, about 18 months ago and spent more time in the pre-launch than I ever had. And I combined it with also having kind of a fast action piece of urgency on that first day of opening the program. So everyone knew the program was coming. And then I said, Hey, for the first 20 who buy this, I'm going to give you a, like a 20 minute one-on-one -on -one consult. We're going to hop on. We're going to do this very specific thing together in that consult. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I can't offer that at this stage in my business for most students. So that was really appealing and they sold out in seven and a half minutes, those 20 spots. And for me, that was also like, not only was that so exciting, but it was such a confidence boost for the rest of the launch for me to show up in that way I wanted to. And it, you know, it actually, it ended up being my first six figure launch. That's awesome. Congrats. So tell me when you're talking about the, that was the longest pre-launch you've done. What sort of time periods are you talking? That was a concerted effort pre-launch for probably six to eight weeks. Like all of wow. my content was leading in that direction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in a six to eight week period, what kind of activity should somebody look at doing? So you did, I mean, do we do, I mean, Rob mentioned webinars. What kind of activity are we talking about? So I, it was a mix. I showed up far more on social media. For me, that's Instagram. So it's right. way more intentional on social media than I usually am. Uh, right. Sending more emails. I'm, I tend to be like a one to two email a week kind of gal. And I, I would say I was doing probably three a week during that time. Showing up and doing, yeah, like live, I wouldn't even call them webinars. They were sort of live mini trainings, um, but getting people to sign up for those. So I think it was three. I think I did three. I sort of scattered them throughout. And then I did a nice. webinar, but it was during the actual open cart period. That was the day when I sold those 20 spots in seven and a half minutes. It was on that webinar. I love it. I love it. So you're using that time to build up that information about, uh, about or build up the traction. But I guess what you're doing as well is, is figuring out people are resonating really heavily when I talk about this kind of stuff, whereas they don't really give a shit about that stuff. So I'll do more of that. Mm -hmm. are, you, are, you, are you quite dialed in at that point or have you already planned it and you're going for it by then? Well, I think I've already planned most of it and I'm going for it. And I've really had to think about like, what are those big lines in the sand that I'm going to draw and speak about? However, that being said, if I'm seeing that something is really resonating, I'm going to notice that and then mm. turn that into more, right? Like make that a bigger, a bigger dialogue whether that's on my social media or adding some extra emails and about that, or just taking it further. You could even, 
um, turn that into a little live training. If you notice that a piece of your content is just getting a ton of response, well, let's open up a Zoom room for half an hour or an hour and let's hop on and do like a little live training about that and then get people excited for what's to come when you actually open the doors to your program and never hide that you're opening the doors to the program, right? This is the other thing is people think, oh, I need to like do all this stuff and then surprise, here it is. But like, let's be talking about it the whole time. There's someone I follow called Tarzan K. She's also an email marketing um, expert and she will start telling you about when she's opening the doors to her program, like four months ahead of time. It's like, you know, her launch schedule. And I think it works really well for her because people are anticipating and ready. We live in a time of transparency now anyway, where I think taking people behind the scenes in that is good. And what I like about everything we've unpacked here is the fact that it's actually like, it's reducing a lot of the, the work and time spent up front. So for example, you can build a launch plan and kind of decide what you're going to do. But the actual, again, like validating the, the, the bits that people respond to as you're going allows you to be flexible and sort of make it as you go and stuff. In terms of the, the course itself or the program itself or the thing that you're actually going to launch. What do you do in terms of creating that? Where is that in this process? So if you haven't ever launched it before, I always recommend that you, you know, come up conceptually with the idea. You have the offer mapped out to deep to the detail of like knowing what the modules are going to look like. Uh, we're going to hammer out what all of those bonuses going to look like or downloadable things. Like you really have to have, it's like your, your action plan um, and all of those features ready to go and have a really strong sense of that. But I don't want you to go and build it all out because we want to launch it, put it out into the world, make sure it validates and resonates with your audience that you actually get people paying money for it. It hurts me when people say, Oh, I beta tested it, which means they gave it away for free to like 10, 20, 30 people expecting something out of that. You expect nothing out of that. That is nothing, that proves nothing. So you need to do it the other way around where you put it out into the world. The really incredible advantage to this, especially for people who are doing it for the first time and they're starting out, maybe they do have that smaller audience, is that they have the bandwidth to go through that program with those first 10 or 15 founding students really holding the hand of those people so that they do get the results that were kind of promised from your course or program. And do you know what that turns into? It's like, they're the most amazing case studies or testimonials ever. And you've built yourself like an incredible amount of proof that you can then use as you go on to, you know, your second or third or fourth launch. Uh, it's just an incredible way to get started. And, and the beautiful thing is you build it out in real time. For me now, I kind of have two main programs. And when I launch them, like they're already created. Um, but what I will do is I usually like to get creative with my bonuses. It's like, okay, we're going to launch that this time. What new stuff can I add in here? What live workshops or I don't know, live, maybe I do like an accelerator version where there's something different happening and I can get creative in that aspect. I love this because you basically have not, a lot of people get so obsessed and we hear it all the time. I've, I'm going to launch, I'm going to do my marketing, I'm going to figure out my email marketing, but I haven't finished my course yet. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, how do you know anybody, buddy, how do you know anybody wants that thing? Exactly. Like, we've got to get that offer dialed in. We're going to validate the offer. And then, if it's the first time you're launching it, the great news is those people who are participating, if it's a smaller group, that's your advantage. Mm -hmm. One, they've paid a premium price because they've got first dibs on it. They've got first access, which means it's a better, it's a better return on investment for you. 
Secondly, they get to help you build the course. One of the things we love to do, I know something you talk about as well, so I'll just put a button on this, is is at the end of each module, when you've taught it live, you get feedback and anything that you missed, you can clarify in the next module so that you are building a really robust course which serves the audience better than if you just sat down and pre-recorded it. By not pre-recording it, it means you can also validate more offers. Let's say it didn't work. Let's say nobody cares about learning that thing from you. You haven't wasted time developing the course because the next month or a couple of months later after you had a little rest, had a little cry, you know, sobered up, you can then turn around and offer the next thing and you're only creating stuff that people want to buy. My big takeaway here, though, which is so counterintuitive, and that's what we love about getting our friends on the show like we are today, is that counterintuitive thing of when you're first launching, launch at a high price. Mm-hmm. You've got a small audience, and that's all that, t- that temptation to go, oh, but I haven't got a big audience. All the more reason that it should be high price, and so you can make those numbers work, right? And you can... If, if someone's listening to that right now and they're like, oh, I'm still not sure, lean into the fact that because it's going to be smaller, you are offering far more of that almost one-on-one interaction with those that group of 10, let's say, that first time around, that no sort of big guru, whatever we want to call them, course creators, can offer, right? When they get 100 people signing up for their program. It's just not possible. And you get... It's just not possible. You're offering that extra, extra service. You're getting you're getting results for people, which is great. Validates you, gives you that confidence. I love that. But also, you're getting those testimonials. You're getting people going, "These results I got. This is the results that I got." And now you can come along and 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 offer a, offer all of that together when you next launch the program. It's just, and then the next time you launch it, it's already made in the most confident, impactful way possible. So. Get to those 200 subscribers. And as Gemma said, which again, another thing I just adore about this is if you've got 75 subscribers right now, use the pre-launch for eight weeks to get the 200, to give yourself uh, to give yourself that modus operandi of getting there and don't make it a surprise. I don't know about you, but I flipping hate surprise. People don't like surprises. I remember when I was when I was a kid, and my mum would hide around a door and like, but like jump out and be like, Rah! I'd be like, I would cry. <laughs> Nobody likes surprises. You still cry now. I'm crying on the inside. I can tell you. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. This is so so good, Jim. Any final little bits on that that I've that I should have missed that I should have not have missed out on? I think you you really captured it. I think it's making sure that your listeners feel that sort of inner sense of like confidence that they can do this too. I think that's the biggest thing I notice when, when students come into my program, I can give them all the strategy in the world, but often it's that they just need a bit of hype and a bit of like cheerleading from me to get them to do the thing. I love it. I love it. Let's go to this week's subject line of the week, subject line of the week. Gemma, what have you got for us? Okay. I've got two. The first one is the one that you all want to know about, which got the most opens, the most click-throughs, turned into the most sales. And that subject line is where we use some personalization in the subject line itself. And so we use the first name of the subscriber. And so it would be for Gemma. Uh, And that one, I've even worked it in now to like my evergreen funnels and stuff because it works so well. So that one uh, is number one. However, my personal favorite subject line um, is 
name. It's like, it's going to be a name that show situation. So the subject line is called the moist maker. And I have the Turkey thigh emoji right next to the moist maker. And I want your listeners to name the show. Can you guys name the show? I couldn't have done if you hadn't told me before (laughs) we were hanging out. We can have them like, we can have them uh, right in. No, I feel like I've got to give it some. It is, if you're not familiar, it is from Friends. It is one of the Thanksgiving episodes where Ross makes the best sandwich of all time. And the secret ingredient is the moist maker, which is like a gravy soaked piece of bread in the middle of the sandwich. And so I use that analogy of like, what is the special sauce missing ingredient, whatever, whatever of someone's business. And so the segue is there in the email, but that email subject line, I reuse it every year uh, around American Thanksgiving. Absolutely love it. Subject line of the week, subject line of the week. Gemma, this has been great. Tell us, where do we go? If people want to find out more about you and your courses and everything you're doing, how do we find you? Yeah, sure. So on um, the biggest social media platform I'm on is Instagram. So if you want to come find me over there, it's at Gemma.BonhamCarter. But what I would love for you to do is if you are interested in launching that first course or even just understanding my approach and methodology a little bit more deeply, I have a free class called Course Class. I'll make sure that you guys have the link to it um, in uh, in the show notes because yeah, it's GemmaBonhamCarter.com forward slash class but easier if it's just in the show notes to to easily link to. And that's about a 45 minute class that can really be transformative for um, how you go about launching that first group program or online course. Absolutely love it. Yeah, if you're still thinking, I mean to be packaging my knowledge and into a course and program, Gemma's resource on that is absolutely what you need. So definitely go check it out. The link to that is in the show notes, both on your podcast player and over on the blog at emailmarketingheroes.com if that's easier for you. Gemma, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the whole show this week. We absolutely appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player because we'll be back next week doing it all again. See you then. See you then.